0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 233 of the Stag Raw. I'm joined by Chris Desmond, who I had on quite a long time ago when I lived in Australia, uh, back when he was running the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. It's a, a cracking series there, over 200 of those podcasts out there. Um, I feature in one of them. And um, yeah, it was great to catch up with Chris. So, what I'd encourage you, especially if you're getting something out of this, especially if you are working as a health professional and wanting to develop your communication skills um, and the way you think about what health actually means, and now if you're especially in the executive space and you're wanting to get that sort of optimal high-performance health aspect, um, Chris might be someone that you look to connect with. Um, so. Head into the show notes, uh, check out Health Mentors um, if you're looking for a little bit of mentorship with your health, or Art of Healthcare if you're looking for those communication skills, those soft skills um, in the consulting room and probably across um, the whole business environment when it comes to healthcare. Um, You can check him out on LinkedIn. Um, He's doing some great work there on LinkedIn. He's got a great profile and putting out a lot of his content there for free. Um, And for the listeners, if you're interested, um, his Health Mentors webinars on the 20th of April and 2nd of May, um, we've got some links in the show notes for that. So while you're there, of course, check out the regular links. If you're thinking about getting into the cryptocurrency space, check out the link to Easy Crypto. Get yourself $10 towards your first purchase of whatever cryptocurrency that is. It might be the old BNB chain to get yourself a pest-free token from the from the last podcast there. Um, or if the share market's more your style, uh, check out the link to Shares East Investing Made Easy, and that gives you $5 towards your first uh, investment in the share market. Of course, New Zealand, Australia, and US are available on Shares East. Um, but just be aware of the different tax obligations. New Zealand share market, they do take care of that for you. The other two, you've uh, got to sort of go retrospective with those. Um, the discount codes there are still there, of course. Uh, 20% off Arepa, 20% off 180 Projects Gymnastic Rings, 20% off Mr. Max book Super Weirdos, and uh, 10% off Modern Pirate there in the show note links, So check them out. There's plenty on offer for you um, as part of this podcast. Thanks so much for being a listener and subscribing to the channel um, or following the channel as it might be on Spotify if you're you know, and if you're watching this, it's always good to hear some feedback on Instagram, of course, Ryan O'Connor NZ for this podcast. And I've, and I've got the old 400 Club there as well with at Stag Ryan on Instagram. We're on TikTok, we're on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, we're we're all over it. Uh, YouTube as well. You can get get some of the clips uh, if you're subscribed over there. So that's always valuable, gets us out to more ears. The, the more people watch, the more people interact. The more it gets sort of boosted up the algorithm on, on these various channels, which of course means that uh, we can get more benefits for you, the listener, which is fantastic. But without further ado, you know, if you haven't gone and uh, pressed all the skip buttons to get to the start, let's uh, check out what Chris Desmond's been up to. It was bloody good to catch up with him again. Enjoy. I held on to this one too, too, Chris. That look at us—we've got fucking microphones. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like it's how, uh, it's how, good how many? Day. How many uncomfortable OKs did you do?
1: There are two hundred and ninety-four of those episodes sitting on the internet at the moment. Yeah. There's a, there's another th- like there's another three in the bank that have never seen the light of day that I need to put out at some point, but I've just <laughs> I've, I just haven't got around to.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and of course. I went in to try and grab the one that I did with you. And that was just prior to when you started getting them up on Spotify. So what platform were you using?
1: Um, No, they will be, they should be around on Spotify, but Spotify only holds a certain amount. Um, Ah. So I might need to go back in and actually change the settings of how many show up on the feed.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that sounds like a big job.
1: (laughs) Don't think it is, but it's, it's probably an awkward job finding where it is.
0: Yeah. So who's your host? I'm using Anchor, and that's. Uh, I Spotify. use
1: yeah. I use Libsyn. Yeah. uh For for uncomfortable is okay. For my other stuff, I use Castos, Castos. which is um kind of uh, they are a bit of a new player, yeah. and I don't know how I came across them, but I was just like, I like this. I like the vibe of these guys, and actually, the I've talked to a few people there yeah. uh, at at Castos, and they're real cool dudes. How'd you, like, oh, how'd you touch base I'll with, stick them. with you guys? Uh, they send out they send out a real regular email about hey here's house here's some stuff that you can improve uh, sing out if you want to chat and they have they have their own podcast around like linking in with their podcasters to talk about their podcast and kind of share ideas and share stories so that other people can learn from it. No. So I just said. Yeah, I'm open to chat if, if you guys are. Hopefully learn a little bit from, from you as we go. Yeah,
0: you know, that's quite good. Whereas Anchor, I think Gary V must have been an investor, wouldn't be surprised. Um, he, he, you know, he talked it up and that's where I, where I joined on, but they're very much about the American market. So even you can, um, there's, a, there's an ad and funding model, but you've got to have a US um, sort of, what is it, social security number and US address to actually mm. access that. So I've actually got... Sixty US dollars sitting in my anchor account that's, unaccessi- that's unaccessible from from the early days of playing around. You know, oh yeah, I'll plug this in and oh look at that shit money's in there and oh I can't get it out. So what did you
1: what did you end up getting plugged in?
0: Oh, I like, can, can't can remember. They'll be on, they'll be on some of the <laughs> some of the early episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah, interesting because like someone reached out to me once and was like, oh do you want to jump in on this advertising and we'll just kind of plug an ad in there. And he's like, with with your kind of lessons, you'll probably it'll be like beer and golf money. We yep. call it. It'd be like yep. forty bucks, forty bucks a, a week or forty bucks a fortnight or something. Um, and I was like, oh, who do you advertise? And they'll be like, oh, McDonald's and <laughs> Hammerbun. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want to be associated with like <laughs> plugging McDonald's to to my listeners.
0: Now, thankfully, you got to choose these ones, and you even. Oh, you even got to voice them and you even got to place them so they of course they suggested chuck them in the middle of your podcast and it'll, you know it'll, you'll get paid more and i was like i ain't, I ain't doing that but um yeah no now it's, it's obviously because i can't access any of that plug-in i um just sort of read the odd and actually most of the things that i read are for the benefit of the listeners so uh 20 off mr max books uh the super weirdos that's fantastic um 20 mm-hmm. off super yeah he's TV. awesome Oh, you know, good. Good.
1: Gymnest- I I don't know him personally. I know his yeah. wife actually. She's a physio.
0: Physiotherapist, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. Small world, New Zealand. Um, and then some gymnastics rings. Some hair product. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. A- your hair's looking great, bro. Oh, I was going to say, I'm back to anchor. I'm very glad that you have done your hair and your makeup, Chris, because. Of being being an early adopter to Anchor, they, they've allowed me to share my video to Spotify. Have they? I've noticed
1: that you've been sharing video, so I was I had a I had a bath with the boys tonight, which <laughs> two was, birds, uh, which was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like seeing Ryan. I'll check that off,
0: <laughs> and and they nearly derailed the whole thing. Of course, you know they come they come they first. <laughs> so, mate, um you said on messenger that you that that. You're sort of temporarily, sort of full-timingly doing that as a gig. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, yes, mate. Like It's been a while since we actually recorded an episode. I, I was going to go back and look at the last one, but it
0: must be... It was 2019-ish. Like, 2019,
1: I yeah. I thought it was about three years ago. So, um, I've, got, I've got two wee boys now. Connor will be four next month.
0: Okay, and so Jasper... Just over yeah. four years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jasper will be... Uh, he'll be 2 in July. Um, and both the both of the boys showed up early. Mm. So Connor Connor showed up 3 months early so he was born at 26 and a half weeks and we had we had 3 months in the neonatal intensive care unit with him before we could before we could bring him home or monitored up. Um, and then Jasper showed up 2 months early. So he showed up at like just under 32 weeks gestation. For the dudes listening out there who don't know what I'm talking about normal gestation is 40 weeks uh, or 37
0: 37 is fine
1: or 37. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30, <laughs> you get away you get away with that. Eh? Or 30, 36
0: um, 36 and six and the one birth suite says no, nah, you can't come in. You got to go to the hospital. And the other one says, Oh, no, nah, it'll be all right.
1: Yeah, who's on
0: the door, right? Eh? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so just Jasper showed up just under 32 weeks. And um, so we had what seven weeks in in the neonatal unit with with him before we could bring him home, and he he didn't need a monitor, but he he had a feeding tube stuck up his nose for a week Ugh. or two before we could uh, before we could get that out. Um, they're doing they're amazing, and they're doing so well now. Um, kind of just kicking kicking goals, but uh, yeah. So I've been I've been a full time dad for the last seven months. Um, my wife is a doctor, and she went back to work full time in what August last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So she went back part time in in March, um, and so I dropped my hours a little bit then, and then went back full time in yeah in August. So I've I've stepped away from from working and have been full time dad for the last seven months, which has been absolutely epic. Um, so kind Connor, Connor does do a couple of days a week at daycare. Uh, just for a, a little bit more social engagement than me and his little brother can offer, <laughs> uh, but Jasper's Jasper's pretty much been full time with me. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but that, it was a really, it was really interesting, challenging kind of decision for me to come to, mm-hmm. to get to that point, um, because Jasper had showed up early, and because of COVID and and all of this stuff, well, like we didn't really want to expose him to um daycare situation to earlier than we had to Mm uh just because his immune system's a little bit compromised just was was born that early just jasper the younger one yep yeah connor was old enough and he'd kind of uh developed enough that we were like "Uh, we probably don't want him to get covid but with uh with other stuff he's he's robust enough to handle this so like Julia was actually thinking about not going back to one of her one of her jobs, so that we could we could just keep looking after Jasper ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually didn't really make much sense. Her working mm-hmm. as a doctor and me working as a physio, like financially, way better off if, if she went back to work. But like it it was a real it was a real challenge for me to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. What was what was, away what, from, was,
0: what was your um, obstructions initially? Like you say, you put it, you put it out like quite it, simply, like that. Yeah, like from a financial perspective, all oh, this is straightforward, Chris. <laughs> it was super straightforward. Super straightforward.
1: <laughs> um, I, I think I don't know. I I'm, I'm still I'm still yet to come to terms with exactly why it was a really challenging decision to step away. I think part of it was like I had been working since I finished university, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, if I step away. That's that's going to be a massive change. It's going to be something quite different for me. Um, part of it was also like, do I have the chops to just be dad for mm-hmm. these kids and be their like be their main caregiver and like and guide them on their on the journey, which that kids. Mm-hmm. And ho- most of the time, hopefully, I do a reasonable job with that. But I guess probably the there is that inbuilt programming that we might have, and this is going to sound quite sexist, but to be a male and to be a provider. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that comes from, um, whether it's kind of an evolutionary thing or whether it's a societal expectation or whether it's both, but I guess that was probably sitting there in the back of my mind as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. but I'd, I'd come to the point as well with, um, like it had been quite a hard, hard couple of years with two babies going through hospital um, and kind of being there and supporting my wife through this, through this journey as well, which has been far more traumatic for her than it than it has been for me. Um, but trying to continue to work and continue to do stuff over that period of time and play with side hustles as well <laughs> that I got to the point where I was like I was massively drained. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to use the word burnt out. I don't think I was at that point, but it's probably a heading towards that. Mm-hmm. So, so my thinking probably wasn't particularly clear as well. Um, but we were just having this conversation one day, and, and Julia said, "Actually, I'll I'll resign from one of my jobs so we can do this." And I just said, "No, nah, don't do that. I'll I'll walk away. Like oh. I'll I'll leave. I'll go." And as soon as I said it, my face just broke into this massive smile. (laughs) And I was like, this is, this is easily the right call. Why have I been struggling with this for the last three months, Mm -hmm. rolling it around in my head, tying myself up in knots, um, when actually I I knew it was right all along, but for some reason I'd just been, I'd just been almost talking myself out of it.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, heck. You know, that's, yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the, the, they like, is it societal? Is it innate? Um, and yeah, combination. Is it of, both or is it both? Yeah.
1: It's always, if it could be both, it's usually both. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. That's, and so what's been some feedback, I guess, like that, the, discussing, that discussing that with people, um, so back to Gary V. I saw a clip with him talking about like I'm hearing from guys that aspire to be stay at home dads. You know, as enthusiastic as he bloody gets, but you know, mm. what's the reality of it, Chris? <laughs>
1: it's been remarkably positive, actually. The feedback. Um, most people are like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Mm. Uh, every now and then you'll get someone who gives you a real funny look. You're like, that's <laughs> that's a bit weird. What are you What are you up to there? But
0: could you? Generalize? I would say not.
1: Um, some older dotes, <laughs> some older uh-huh. dotes. You could probably, you could probably pick that. Yeah. Uh, and strangely enough, the occasional, like kind of lady on the cusp of middle age. Yeah. Right. As well. Like the, the older ladies are, are, are all good with it and by and large sort of the, the people, I guess below 40 35 uh they're like yeah that is awesome especially that like the young dudes are like wow that's cool
0: yeah yeah you know I'm a little bit those those two
1: groups (laughs) it's been it's been awesome um and it's been amazing to spend so much time with the with the boys and it's been a different kind of challenging
0: Mm -hmm.
1: with Mm -hmm. it as well um in terms of kind of Learning about myself, learning about them as well, uh, and kind of navigating navigating dad life, especially kind of in the midst of a pandemic mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. where often uh, your options of stuff to do with them are, are reasonably limited as well.
0: Oh, (laughs) Oh, for sure for sure and your uh, wife
1: is trying to work from home and you're like oh how do i how do i entertain these guys now
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was what i was gonna get to what's been your model
1: um some of it is just try and get through the day our youngest is a horrific sleeper Hmm. um like we've we've had conversations about kids sleeping before and this that was around connor and we thought he was he was average, but his brother is, is horrible. Like I had two 90 minute blocks of sleep the other night.. Good. Um, so I'm like, we're gonna hit the zoo today, boys, and you guys can just charge around there. So part of it is part of is just getting through the day. Um, part of it, I guess from from my perspective is like how do I, how do I show up and be present? How do I show up and be patient and how do I show up and be playful mm-hmm. with them? Um, and that's kind of like where I want to come from with it but also thinking about okay what do I want to instill in these guys as well like what are the values that I want to want them to grow up or the skill sets that I want them to grow up with as well and I guess it's i've I've gone again with a kind of a type of alliteration as I want them to be kind mm-hmm. I want them to be curious and I want them to be courageous awesome.
0: as well mm-hmm
1: and so kind of looking for opportunities to, to promote that for them um, and, and pat them on the back when they, when they do that well, while kind of showing up from those, those three P's, I guess.
0: What's your three P's? So the three P's
1: thro- showing up for, my, uh, for myself, being present, being patient and being playful. Nice. Nice. Because I think it's easy to slip. Um, that, that third one's real important because it's easy to slip into like dad mode <laughs> regimented and if you if you're dad mode like for for the day you get to the end of the day and you're like oh this just hasn't really been that fun and if it hasn't <laughs> been fun for me it probably hasn't been fun for them either so it's kind of it's incorporating incorporating that play mode as well and I, yeah. I heard, heard it kind of talked about as like, you've got your dad hat on at one point <laughs> and then you've got your kid hat on at the other point and you've got to have a mix of both. You can't just be dad and you can't just be the kid.
0: Can't just be the kid. No. Uh how is it being being a kid again? if you, if you um, oh, did it, did you know Chris Parker, the comedian? I don't think so. All uh, right. He often talks about how he like goes to the supermarket or the shops and buys stuff for his his childhood <laughs> have you mm. been, have you played with things for your ch- for childhood Chris <laughs> right
1: Connor's kind of at the age where he's starting to be interested in Lego which yeah, is oh, which is pretty cool yeah. yeah and actually I don't know if um if Billy is
0: into Bluey at all I, the cartoon no, not 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 quite thankfully Thankfully, but there's Not plenty quite. of other, plenty is, of other things is, like, like Elsa and Anna and-, and um, Okay. No, no.
1: Bluey is good, man. Um, <laughs> you probably didn't expect to talk about kids cartoons. Oh, no, like it's this. good. It's good. Bluey is good because like it's amusing for the parents. The episodes are seven minutes long, so they're short, um, <laughs> but also like they're real cool parents. So nice. you get all these sweet, sweet games that you can play with your kids. Oh, good. And in fairness, like mine are probably a little bit too young for that, but they're, <laughs> they're kind of starting
0: to get in there and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Maybe I could try that. Counter to great parents, have you watched much Peppa Pig? Oh, it's more about Peppa being a little bit of a narcissist, oh. but man. <laughs> Peppa Pig, yeah, yeah. We had to
1: we had to cull that one, eh? Um yeah, I there agree. was it just starts to it started to create a little bit of foot stamping.
0: <laughs> but
1: it also Connor also started to talk with a British accent. Yes, so I've, I've like, had oh, plenty of we're...
0: British patients that are not from Britain at all. <laughs>
1: yeah, we've got, to, we've got to get rid of this, eh?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think people have, have caught on to old Pepper, and I'm seeing less British three-year-olds that aren't that with New Zealand parents, <laughs> so that, that might be a change in the times.
1: There was one thing that Pepper did get right, though, was their hatred of glitter so we had like we somehow glitter got into our house the other day and like there's just glitter everywhere like i'm still <laughs> finding it places like there was glitter in a nappy and oh, wow like glitter like glitter on the bottom of the boy's feet when they're walking around barefoot it's like yeah that's that's that. a way
0: you can mess with someone i eh? send them a, send them an envelope with glitter in it <laughs> <laughs> it's really not good um something that Nigel Beach has sort of come along when he has his, his physio hat while he's parenting hat on is biomechanics. How fascinated have you been in that, mate?
1: Um, not super fascinated, I guess. Yep. Um, one of my when I was talking to one of my physio mates um, and telling him that the boys arrived early, he was like, Oh, you got to get out all your developmental textbooks. <laughs> no. I'm like, I really, I really don't want to do that. Um, biomechanically, like it's, it's interesting yeah. to watch them move and watch them develop and watch them do things. And like our youngest is, he's very much a toddler. He's just like staggering around like a drunken midget at the moment. Um, but
0: with a large head
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like he's got a Desmond size head, eh? so my like, <laughs> my head is is solid but his is his is decent um it's it's interesting to watch the movement patterns and watch how they evolve but like I haven't kind of overly analyzed it um I'm sure there will be a lot of people out there that would just kind of they would they would froth over
0: that stuff yeah no it's um... Nigel's really introduced the uh standing and and sitting like how much of a hip splay you get and once you once you see hip splay on people with outwards feet you're like and of course myself having having had a hip surgery he said you know try to bring those in and it's definitely helped my my lower my lower back tensions much improved which is which is interesting yeah i said what what's going Mm. on there is it like um what's the top ones femurs femur angles yeah femurs Base, basically yeah (laughs) cool Mm. seems to have worked interesting thanks nigel yeah but he picked it up he picked it 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 up just by by watching the girls and uh yeah the his daughter Marnie, um and yeah in the in the in the old uh, sauna there sitting with her feet like this he's like that's interesting you know how do i sit (laughs) yeah there's a he's got a great photo of, of uh cody taylor standing in the middle of of a row of all blacks and he's got his feet nice and straight ahead and close together and everyone else is wide and splayed and it's just a interesting image to see and then like the nrl with all their all their knees and at the moment you kind of go maybe maybe we're doing something
1: (laughs) it's fascinating because he does a bit of work with cody doesn't he yeah 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 it's interesting kind of the way that we've the way that we do things and and whether that's sort of optimal for us (laughs) yeah Yeah. and we don't i guess we probably don't have the answers to a lot of that stuff at the moment do we
0: no i definitely i definitely feel ironic as an optometrist in a dark room asking people am i making it blurrier shining a light in their eye and you know tell what you know they come in there to see clearly and and telling them to go outside you know it's quite it's quite the ironic job and you. Did you feel a little bit of that as a physio that, you know, the going on, going on to what you're doing now with the, what is health? <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the, I guess. Um,
1: yeah. As a physiotherapist, like I, I was probably towards the the end of working as a physio like and, and stepping away to be full-time dad. I was, I was kind of actually thinking, do I want to come back mm. to do this? At all, um, and like there were probably there were probably a couple of reasons with that. P- part of it was frustration with health systems,
0: yeah.
1: um, mm-hmm. and fu- frustration with um, kind of healthcare funding for uh, um, for rehabilitation as well. Um, part of it was also frustration with with <laughs> actually just working with patients. Some mm-hmm. days. Like most of my patients were, were pretty cool, but every now and then you'd have a day you're just like, oh. Um, but I, I think kind of while I, while I was having some time off and while I was um, getting to hang out and be dad, like I, I had a deep think about, okay, what do, I, what do I like about working as a physiotherapist? What do I like about um, about working with people? Do I actually like still like working with people Mm -hmm. and like the answer to that was the answer to that was yes um and so that was a good first question to ask i guess but then it was like okay what do i what do i enjoy about this and what parts didn't i enjoy about it and like i think i came to the conclusion that the people that i most like to work with were the ones that i got to work with for a while and i got to build a relationship with over time and as a physio i guess you're you're reasonably lucky in that people tend to come back and see you more than once Mm. so you do get to build that that relationship up with them but it was it was those people that that used their injury or or their health challenge as a catalyst to improve Mm. rather than those ones that just wanted to to kind of get rid of what was going on for them so if you kind of think about it as like you're, you're sitting at zero mm. right now. You have an injury, you go down to negative 10. Most people just want to get back to zero. They want to get back to to kind of doing what they're doing, what they're doing. And sometimes they'll, they'll get to like negative three and they're like, yeah, I'm sweet. Oh, I'll probably just get back to zero by myself. And <laughs> in fairness, like 99% of them will. They don't need my help to go from negative three to zero. But the people that I really like to work with is those ones that went down to negative 10 and then started to make some improvement. But then we're like, oh, this is cool. Like instead of just going to zero, can I go to five or can I go to 10 or can I go to 15? And being able to work with them, not just to kind of get them back to doing what they were doing before, often which was kind of, probably from a moderate state of health, mm. uh, to put it nicely. And you'll, you'll see that in your role as well. Yeah. Like a lot of people come in, aren't super crisp in terms no. of their health. <laughs> um, so the, but instead of kind of stopping there, they're like, actually, can I, can I change my life and can I turn this around a little bit? And can you give me some advice and, um, and give me some programming to, uh, continue on and to and to keep going. Mm-hmm. And, um, Sometimes you run into challenges with health system funding. With yeah. that, um, once you hit zero, sometimes that funding dries up. Sometimes it doesn't, which is which is cool. Um, and then some people are just kind of happy to say, "Sweet, I'll, I'll do a couple of private sessions with you just to to mm-hmm. kind of keep the ball rolling and keep going." So it was it was coming to the conclusion. I was like, "Actually, these are the people that I really want to work with. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that um, who aren't just running away from pain." That the other ones that want to head towards performance, yes, on that other end of the spectrum,
0: yeah, it, it's it's interesting you speak up of the of the barrier there, and it's of, often the the health system that's catering for a physiotherapist generally. Um, I, mm. I, I always have the discussion with physiotherapists around how do you how do you get around the ACC funding model, and how how do you sort of work towards this opportunity this this um you know higher purpose thing like have have you seen much of the opportunity there like or is it basically user user pays is is any insurer providing this type of (sighs) extra, extra extra thing like again that's the way user pays yeah i guess um
1: I guess kind of if you look at it from the health system, and this is kind of my my understanding with it, and it may not be a complete picture with it. Um, most of the insurance companies that are, that are set up as like um, kind of third-party insurers are looking to try and get people, um, the way the policies are set up, are trying to get, again, get people back to zero so mm-hmm. they get people to that point. Um, I think there is, there might be some potential for being able to utilize uh, on on certain insurance companies' policies to utilize kind of a well being, um, yeah, in parentheses, funding to work towards health improvement without like an illness or an injury. Um, but I, I, I definitely don't think that's the majority of health insurance, um, Mm -hmm. within New Zealand. And it's definitely not uh, the way that ACC operate at the moment.
0: No, no. And uh, are you seeing much of the workplace wellness come over into physio and occupational therapy? And like there's, there's the old, the whole ergonomics type discussion, which appears to be quite a token one. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think like, um, so I, I worked uh, I, I worked as a clinical physiotherapist for 15 years um, and 10 years of that was doing elements of vocational health. So mm-hmm. doing return to work planning with people, um, doing some workplace education around like manual handling and ergonomics and um, pain and discomfort pre- prevention and, and injury prevention. So there is uh, there is a bit of that out there and, and a lot of the big businesses within New Zealand do um do think about that quite a lot which is which is great and there are some so out there that'll that will be part of the
0: health and safety obligations too you Yeah know. yeah
1: and some of the some of them out there I think go above and beyond the mm-hmm. um, health and safety from a compliance perspective um some of them don't but there there are a lot of really good employers that kind of that play in that 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 big space, um, and some of the some of the smaller employers. I was I was having a conversation with a dude the other day, kind of around around health from a performance perspective for his workforce, mm. and his take on things was absolutely fantastic. Like he was like, if I worked in that industry, I'd be like, man, I'd love to work for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he actually cares about his people as people and wants to wants to see them improve he's like yeah i love them doing a good job for me but i actually want them to be better people so if they end up going away from from working for us then i've made a positive impact in their life rather than just being um just being a boss so he's He's in the process at the moment of setting up a twelve month program uh, around building mental well being and mental resilience within his within his staff who work within the construction industry, um, which is is really really needed. So like there is there is some of that coming over um, from a like a physio and an occupational. Uh, occupational therapy perspective I guess kind of the where most of it's targeted at the moment is again kind of more that compliance side of things as opposed to the performance side of things um, and so there's it, it probably um, there, there probably isn't too much of a bridge of a gap between mm-hmm. that stuff at the moment and kind of the the well-being, in mm. parentheses, people that you get into kind of lift performance or teach your teach your people a, a tactic that they may or may not use <laughs> at some point in the in the future.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a sort of gap, I guess, isn't it? The the buy-in of the staff instead of, and the eye roll, that, and that you know that might start a step back in um, culture and and um, and ethos of a company to then move forward into into a, an elite an elite mindset of you know like for example an elite sports team their assets are their players and mm-hmm. so they want everybody to be an optimal performance yeah um, you could easily transfer that lens to business you want every staff to be optimal and be at their best and be in the enjoyable and have a fantastic life you know that, that yeah. they're spending 40 hours of in your in your workplace yeah
1: and I, I, that's what <laughs> i want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I, I want to kind of come in there and, and work in that, in that performance space for business people because you're right, we do it for sports people um, and we, we have these elite sports people that we, we're teaching, teaching skills and teaching how to be healthy and how to um, kind of uh, optimize their, their body and their mental health and their sleep and uh, all of these other health-related things. But we don't do that in business. Like there's there's a lot of um, kind of mindset stuff that is, well there's some mindset stuff that's out there that is that is helpful in business, but there's not a whole lot of um, of conversation around okay how do we improve your health to improve your performance within business but also kind of as a dad as a partner as a member of the community that you're that you're living in like if you're not if your health is average then you're not going to be able to show up as at your best like even if you've got a fantastic skill set so a, like an analogy that i use is like the skills that you have are like the players that are sitting on the bus and they want to go to the championship game they want to go to the to the stadium to play in this championship game but your health is the bus mm. so your health is a thing that needs to get them there to that, uh, to that stadium so that you can deploy them and they can show up at their best. Cause if your health isn't great, then you're just going to end up at the, at the field down the street. So you're going to just keep playing in the neighborhood rather than being <laughs> playing in the championship. So you need to look after your bus as well as make sure you've got the best players on the bus as well.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you, did you catch the, uh, I think it was like Sunday documentary or shortly after the Olympics around the mental, capacity. Wellness and capacity of high performance sport in New Zealand. You know, I think it was very much highlighted by the the suicide of the cyclist. Um, but it was a it was a fascinating watch because if if you you know, and, and this is a big part of it, of course, is the the public sort of attention that that is a heavy load. However, mm. the the sort of soft skill side of of things, like you know, being connected, having mind mindset practices, having um, ways to, you know, move away from from the pressure, moving away from the mundane of the training situation and the, the day-to-day, you know, make, going through a championship cycle, for example, you know, and then the drop-off at the end of the championship cycle, you know, they're all really transferable skills. And I, I remember watching it and watching it with my girlfriend, Nicole, and thinking that's not much different from someone trying to show up to, in their best in whatever endeavor. And that, especially in business and in companies and those sort of things that they were asking for, like mental health support, you know, awareness of sleep and, and all all these sort of health related mentorship things are not in business either. So no, it was, it was a, it was a real sort of societal problem that's, you know, probably elevated a little bit more by a public spotlight. <laughs> yeah.
1: Definitely. And I think like, as as you say there, like there are a lot of frameworks that work in one arena that work really, really well. Hmm. If you transfer them over to the, to the other arena, like if you're thinking about performance or if you're thinking about kind of, I guess, kind of any skill building or skill acquisition, like at the moment I'm, I'm, like we haven't really talked about it, but I'm I'm not going back to work in a physio job. I'm gonna um, I'm just gonna start a start my own business around um, kind of I guess you'd call it um, performance health and well being within the corporate corporate arena. So it's it's kind of figuring out okay how do I how do I build a business around this? Um, and actually, a lot of the frameworks that I'm using to kind of set myself up and get myself going. Are similar ones that I that I use when I'm trying to improve people's health. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what are the targets here? Okay, that's that's the direction that I want to go in. Okay, what are the big principles that I have um, that I need to to follow to that I reckon will help me hit that target? And then, okay, what are the tactics that sit underneath those principles that I can then kind of deploy mm-hmm. depending on the context to help me drive forward? Yeah. So, like, there's there's frameworks that that are out there, um, that often we miss out on, and I, I, I guess I think, especially like with our health hats on and our health practitioner hats on, like we're often very insular in the mm. way that we look at things and the way that we we look to improve, um, that we don't pull in information from other industries and other areas. Are, are, you, are you
0: speaking specifically? On task in your consulting room, or in terms of no, I think usually. I think
1: kind of wider wider as profession. So, like as yeah. a physiotherapy profession, or um, I guess as an optometrist as well, yes. you you yes. probably see this as well, and, and definitely kind of from nursing and, and medicine as well, is that there are a whole lot of a whole lot of really helpful tools and really helpful frameworks that if we applied in our in our healthcare practices would actually improve our ability to deliver quality care Mm. and probably improve outcomes for the people that we're serving as well but because they um because they sit outside Mm. our professional realm um one we may not have particular much awareness of them but also i think as professionals professions we're, we're really quite insular as well and we don't we almost kind of don't want to pull that over because it hasn't been vetted by the higher powers within the profession. Um, But like uh, I've had conversations with people and I I guess kind of what it, what comes down to is that the biggest improvements in my ability to help people as a healthcare provider haven't come from within my profession. They've come from ideas that I've been exposed to outside of my profession that have helped drive me forward, like James Clear's Habit Loop. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm like that just makes it so much easier for people to implement the advice that I'm giving them. Like I can I, tell I them that, to go I and do that stuff.
0: On to Nicole today, yeah. She was, she was talking about how good she felt today after getting up and doing some yoga and stuff, and I sort of said to her, "Well." first you need a little bit of inspiration you know but then you've got to kind of do something it's going to start to feel a little bit better after two weeks and you're going to be doing it sort of I'm doing this and then it's going to be like maybe six months and then it's coming kind of like, oh yeah do that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that's that that's a, a really um important point as well and, and kind of the way that I think about that is like if you're and we're kind of weaving all over the place with this. But like, if you're, if you're trying to bring in some behavior change for yourself, like you're trying to, to take healthier actions yeah, and you're trying to improve your health trajectory. And part of that's, yeah, it's about feeling good. Part of it's like a bit more flexible. Part of it's the nig- Nigel Beach. You can move your hips a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, which leads to, I don't know, like spirit fingers and fairy lights and all of have these you, awesome things. Have you seen some happen- of
0: the tries Cody Taylor scored? I think he had the highest they're amazing. highest try scorer last season. Like amazing,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but w- when you're when you're doing that, like you're you're looking to try and take new actions, and and when you're making change, change any change is hard, and health okay. changes is often really really hard because um, it's a bit of a hot button topic, right? Mm. Um, because if we're trying to make change, then that almost implies the stuff we've been doing up until now is wrong. Oh, mate. You, yeah. yeah. And you w- want to talk about have- health, I'm, I'm healthy. I,
0: did, you talk <laughs> about, did you talk about that in your latest podcast for the health?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. And we, uh, like, uh, let's loop back to that. Yeah. But I think like when you're, when you're making change, you're, you're trying to take new action, right? Yeah. Um, And, and whether it's with Nicole and, and doing some <laughs> yoga, like it, it's not that hard to do it once or twice. Right? Yeah. It, um, it, it's the whole new year's resolution things So like most, I think it's 92% of new year's resolutions are they go full by the wayside after like a month or so. Yeah. Um, so you've got like eight people continuing on with theirs. So it's taking the action and it's, it's making that action repetitive. Um, and I, I think there's probably two big players that are really helpful for improving the action. And the first is actually designing a system mm. that reduces the friction around you doing that action. So it's um, like often the way that our lives are set up doesn't make the healthy choice the easy choice for us, so we often need to spend a little bit of time looking at our lives and thinking, okay, how can I systematize this so that um, it the healthy choice then becomes the easy choice for it, for me? Mm-hmm. Like for like to use the the yoga in the morning example, it might be sweet. I need to set my alarm twenty minutes earlier. And yep. put it across the other side of the room, so I have to get up Nailed out of bed it. and then lay it. my yoga clothes out on the floor have next you read my to text my alarm. Messages, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate, I'm a bit of a computer whiz too. <laughs> yeah. So, like systematize, systematizing that and like having you there, I guess, as well as is, is a helpful part of the system to help a little help bit of hold, accountability. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of accountability, a little bit of encouragement. Um, mm. And then also kind of that reward of feeling good post this happening Mm. um and it doesn't like often like when you set up a system it doesn't need to be massive massive changes so i think that's the first part is like you need to get a good system so the healthy choice starts to become the easy choice but life happens and it'll knock us it'll knock us off our routine and and it'll destroy a system Mm. and then a lot of people fall by the wayside when that happens and they don't they don't loop back around and they don't come back into it, even though they had a system there that was working reasonably well. So the other part of the the other part of the puzzle is to to drive those actions, other than the systems, are the stories that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. as well. So it's that internal narrative that you've got going on in your head that is probably something that's been it's been habituated for so long, because most of the stories that we tell ourselves. Are the same stories that we were telling ourselves a year ago two years ago well two months ago they kind of they continually they continually run so that they're, they're ingrained into us so we also need to not just set up a system we need to start to set, be able to tell ourselves different stories around this so that we can almost change our identity mm-hmm. with it and change our beliefs <clears throat> so it, like in three months time nicole will be just like yeah, I'm Nicole. I do yoga. Yeah. And that'll be the story that she runs. And like, if something happens, if shit happens and it throws her out for a week and knocks her system out of play, she's still got that story there. So it's easy for her to loop back in and plug that system back in because she's worked on the story as well as the system. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, I guess didn't like- do yoga last week, but I,
0: I do do yoga.
1: Just not last yeah. week. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, definitely. And like, as a like a sick with a sixteen-year-old boy sense of humor, the acronym "ass" is just amusing <laughs> as well. So, like, I guess like, if you're thinking about you want to change behavior, like, how do I how do I optimize a system? And that's usually the easiest place to start. But then also, like, what story am I telling myself around this that's mm. kind of stopping me doing it? and how can i like firstly ask is that true most yep. of the time it's bullshit um it's just something that you've told yourself but like okay what would be a helpful story mm. in this uh in this instance or what would be a helpful narrative to kind of think about uh as i as i look to improve my health and build this healthy habit
0: yeah no that's that's good yeah i was listening i think i was keep the change on his 30 for 30 um he was talking about how most most of that chat's pretty negative too which you know again he he was was talking about what those those other stories that you're aware of and you're importing and you i I think i can't remember who it was was saying who who you're brainwashing yourself with you know especially in the age of social media and and mind-numbing television what are you brainwashing yourself with
1: and i mean we have this we have this massive negativity bias and i think um I was listening to an Andrew Huberman podcast oh, actually, yeah. and it's um like he's a he's an interesting dude, um and just talking about like evolutionary, it makes sense that we we place a higher value on negative information than positive information because. If we ignored the negative information, then we'd get smacked upside the head by by someone, um, and it wouldn't Smith. be any of us. Yeah, by Will Smith, um, <laughs> or or someone, similar, someone similar. Um, yeah, probably shouldn't have been insulted him that way. And yeah, <laughs> we could we could get into a deep kind of moral discussion around that. But like, if you don't look out for trouble, then. You had dire consequences. Yes. Like we don't need to look out for trouble quite as much as we used to, but we still have that negativity bias um, of of information that's coming in. Eh?
0: Yeah, and um I, I see it. I see it all the time in, in practice. That you know, that I was I was talking on a podcast earlier in the week that the the sort of six to eight year old boy that's been told he's no good and can't read and stuff i see that in them and the and their whole nervous system shuts down and then the teenage girl that's going through the teenage girl things they come into practice and their system is shut down and it's and it's like oh i, I feel like when it comes to those kids i'm all, i'm almost like right your eye parts the least of our worries and if we can undo the yeah. other parts then the eyes will come back because your eyes are actually yeah healthy and focused uh sorry um what's called emetropic so the right length and shape but your system is hijacking your vision your your vision that's right your, your ability to focus and work and that's distracting you from reading or writing or look seeing a board and changing between them and you know and then that's also adding to your stress and it's kind of like we i think i spend the 45 minutes to diffuse the situation do, do you have a few of the uh pain sort of stories of that as well
1: yeah i think like pain is a pain is a really interesting topic and it's a like it's a massively evolving topic as well as that um like what we thought was true five <laughs> years ago we're like wow that's uh, probably not that true actually um it, yeah it's it's moving it's moving relatively fast and like to be honest i'm I'm probably not the, I I probably don't have my head around like as much of it as some people out there. Um, But like the, the evolution of pain science and kind of the way that we, we relay information to people is, is is changing reasonably rapidly. But I mean, pain is a pain is massively multifactorial. Mm. Um, Like in New Zealand, we think about it particularly from a, like a, tissue disruption or an injury perspective, um, partially because of ACC, partially because to get on ACC funding, you need to have an injury. So interesting stat. um, This was true a a few years ago. I don't know if it still is, but back pain in New Zealand, 66% of it or reported back pain was caused by an injury. Overseas yeah, 33% of back pain was caused by an injury, um, just because, and this may not be because, uh, purely because of different funding model, um, overseas compared to New Zealand, where, where we favor funding for injury. Um, but like, that's, that's what we think about pain. Like if I was, if I was to say I'm sore, you'd be like, oh, what have you hurt? What, what injury did you have? Um, and often pain is is triggered by an injury and it's triggered by some tissue disruption, but then there is this, there's a whole lot of other factors that come into play with it as well. Like you were talking about stress before. Um, that's, that's a massive, uh, a massive pain input, or a massive pain driver. Like I know that I have a sore back when I have higher stress levels mm-hmm. than when I'm, when I'm chilled out. Um, with kind of nothing else that's that's happening there and i think like as you were saying with your with your patients like the eyes are the least of your worries sometimes like from a physio perspective the injury is the least of this this person's worries they've got all of this other stuff that's that's going on from a um from a health challenge perspective that is prolonging their symptoms I guess, and whether that's kind of heightened stress levels, where it, whether it's anxiety about getting back to work, um, whether it's um, challenges of not being able to fulfil their role within their community or within their family because of of what's going on, um, kind of feeds back into feeds back into the stress, um, which feeds back into the pain, which reduces people's function. Which feeds back into all of this other stuff, and so it turns into a little bit of a cycle. Mm. Um, and like as you as you alluded to, often it's not about addressing that injury to start with. Sometimes it's out it, um, trying to be helpful and problem solve for them in other areas of their life. Mm. And I guess kind of from coming coming at it from from my perspective, like as a as a physio. It's not always about me doing the fixing for them. Sometimes it's about saying, actually, like, it might be helpful if you went and talked to a psychologist about this. Uh, I can se- f- sort you out a referral with this. Or actually, do, we, do you want to talk to a social worker around this stuff? Or do you want me to get on the phone to WINS for you here so that you can um, you can sort out getting some getting some um, finances mm. so you don't have have to worry about that. And that's not feeding back into this, into the stress and this pressure that that this person is under.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And that's sort of been some of the communication content that you've been creating as well. Like, like you said, about multifactorial type um, uh, professions, I guess you'd call them. They're all coming up with the same story about the art of communication. Yeah. And, and you know, what's, what's the, what's the direct thing they're saying, but what's the real, you know, what's the rest of them saying, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like you, you want to think about the people that um kind of, I guess, within, within healthcare, but this probably, again, like we were talking about the frameworks that apply to a lot of different areas. Um, This, this works kind of whether you're in business or whether you're, you're working with people in any other capacity is like, they're a person first mm. and you need to remember that and you need to understand that they have, they've got fears and they've got worries and they've got all of this other stuff that's going on for them. They don't, they don't just have that, that one little symptom or that one little problem that they're coming in to, uh, to talk to you about, um, which you've been trained in fixing. So that's what mm-hmm. you focus on, <laughs> um, but all of this other stuff is is going on in the background, which is um, I hesitate to use the word manifesting into um, into kind of building symptoms, but um, I guess feeds back into the symptoms of the problem that they they've got going on. So sometimes it's it's rather than just kind of focusing really really narrowly on. That, that clinical problem to use a healthcare or that technical problem that this person has stepping back and saying, they've got this problem. What do they look like as a person? Hmm. What are they, what does their world look like at the moment and what's going on for them and, and kind of having some conversations around that. And then sometimes this technical problem that they've got makes way more sense because you can see that bigger picture.
0: Yeah. It's funny. You, you, I think it was on LinkedIn. You had, dealing with patient complaints, dealing with the practitioner and the, and the complainant hearing both sides of the story and kind of going, what was the problem, but seeing the problem as well. And just that mismatch Yeah, and like, uh, had it a couple of times, I'm sure you've had it, had it yourself and you kind of go, Oh, I don't, I don't exactly don't know what happened there. And then the, the, um, my boss would come back to me and say, yeah, nothing really happened there, but <laughs> they also had a justifiably odd experience <laughs> mm.
1: yeah and i was uh, like i was pondering that the other day um and sometimes i think it's like if you think about it as like healthcare. care
0: yeah
1: sometimes we don't show people enough care yeah like we think we're showing it to them but sometimes they just they want a bit more and they need it need a little bit more so we need to be able to demonstrate actually like we're we're caring for this person, and we're caring for you in particular. And I, and I guess like some easy ways to think about that are like actually just looking that person in the eye mm. and paying attention to them, uh, rather than kind of sitting down and writing some notes at your computer and having a look over your shoulder every now and then as yeah as you fire them a question. Um, one because. Like, it's a polite, nice thing to do, actually, if someone looks at you while they're talking. But you miss a whole lot of communication if you're not watching that person mm. as, you're, as you're talking. Um, sometimes it's just listening to, to them and letting them talk and letting them tell their story. And then actually validating their experience yeah. uh, because, like, their experience is their own. Yeah. And, like, it's there's no there's no right or wrong way to a respond to a certain experience so it's not up to us to say hey you shouldn't be having that feeling because of what's going on for you like <laughs> yeah. feelings feelings are normal like oh yeah i completely understand why you're a bit pissed off there or why you're a little bit worried about that yeah. um, here's maybe some helpful stuff that we could we
0: could try and do around that yeah how how did you f- find the uh labeling the body language response labeling the um
1: how did i how did i find it doing it in practice or how did i kind of come across
0: that But yeah both both aspects of it yeah how did you find that idea of labeling the body um body language response and then how did you find the interaction played out
1: so I guess there's, there's probably a couple of um, helpful conversations that I'd had with people in that space. So there's a um, there's a, a physician uh, in the States, a uh, lady named, by the name of Laura Rock, who has this little empathy acronym um, to help uh, respond with empathy. So it's the GIVE framework. So the G stands for GET that this person is having an emotional response. The I is identify the emotion. The V is to validate it mm. and say, yeah, this is normal. And the E is explore. So start to ask some questions about what might be going on if the person is okay uh, talking to you about it. So that was that kind of triggered, ah, oh, let's, let's have a chat about this. And the second conversation was, um, with a lady by the name of, of Danielle Blanche Hartigan, who's a, a, professor at, a professor at Bentley University who does a lot of research around empathy, um, who who also talks a lot about um, kind of identifying emotions that people are going through. And the interesting thing with her research is actually it doesn't matter if you get it wrong. Hmm. Like you probably don't want to go like get real far off and if a person's coming in, you say, "Hey, you look really sad today." I'm like, nah, I'm I'm super happy.
0: Yeah. Like, you don't want
1: to mess it up that bad. But if mm. you get it a bit wrong, and you're like, "Oh, hey, you look frustrated. What's going on for you?" Um, and they're like, "Oh, no, I'm not frustrated. I'm just a bit worried." Most people don't care about that. They they kind of care that you have taken an interest there. Mm. So I guess I, I'd been I'd kind of been thinking about it. and have been trying to to do that in my practice as like talk about emotions with people for a while but those kind of conversations just brought it home with okay this is a this is a good way to do it and this is some of the science um behind it and i guess like the second part of your question is like how did it go in practice is Mm -hmm. uh is an interesting one most of the like when people come in and see a physio they're super happy to talk about their physical symptoms right Mm -hmm. And you'll get this. (coughs) You'll get this as an optometrist as well, Um, like people expect to have certain conversations when they come and see you. They don't necessarily expect to talk about feelings. Mm -hmm. So I I think like one of the helpful ways for me was like figuring out, okay, what's a, what's a way that I can lead into having this conversation about feelings. And one of them, um, in particular, like I'm a physio, I get to pay to watch how people move. Um, so you can see, like if someone has a physical reaction to something that you say, mm-hmm. and that physical reaction is triggered by an emotion. So they've reacted to something that you've you've said in an emotional way, and they've most often kind of become defensive. And I'll just say to them, I'm like, look, hey, I, I saw you tense up a little bit. As I said that, like what happened for you there? What's what's going on? Um, like why why did that reaction pop up? And kind of trying to keep it reasonably open and and give them some ability to to talk about it that and, and some people actually didn't notice that they had that reaction. Mm. So you pointing it out to them was like, oh, actually there was something there. And other people will just be happy to jump straight in and they'll say, Oh yeah, actually I'm I'm kind of worried about uh, about this going on. So that was that's kind of one of the ways that I go in into that. Um, sometimes people are like, I just had an itchy nose, so I was
0: moving <laughs> moving around.
1: <laughs> Some of the time they're lying when they tell you that though. Uh, <laughs> and and one of the other ways that I, I would frame it up would be to just say hey look you're coming in to see me with an injury and we know that we know that the physical side of an injury is hard but what we also know and what no one really talks about is that every time you have an injury your life is affected so not only is the physical side of things hard for you sometimes the mental and emotional side of things is hard too because you can't do the stuff that you would normally do and that's really frustrating how are you going with that at the moment like what are you what are you finding there do you, is there anything that's kind of coming up for you and some people are like no nah, I'm sweet I'm, I'm good um, whereas others will that'll just give them the opportunity to to open up and some people like some people are sweet some people are like yeah that's cool I'm um, I'm just rolling but others like you've you've um, created the space for them to start to have that conversation and start to hopefully kind of bring up a little bit of stuff that might slow progress or might hold people back. Mm. Um, and sometimes all they need to do is, is just have a conversation with you and actually articulate those fears and those worries and those, those frustrations that they're having that they haven't told to anyone else, not even their partner, um, or the people around them, because, um, no one's, no one's asked them. Um, but sometimes stuff will come up and you're like, actually, I reckon you'd be way better talking to my colleague over here who can help give you a, a, like a couple of strategies that would be beneficial in this space.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Hmm. That's, that's, that's very thought-provoking Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Good mate. Good. Yeah. What, what, what have you sort of, do you have a plan or a time frame of where you're going to go, go ahead now? From, uh, yeah. So
1: I'm at, at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm running a, uh, three month health mentoring program with, yep. uh, with a cohort of, um, of pr- busy professionals. So working on improving their health, uh, over a three-month period of time, and just kind of testing thing, testing things out with them, um, and just starting to to line up people for the second cohort to come through that, uh, and working with people kind of flexibly, intensively over that three-month period. <laughs> how, um, how,
0: how, inten- did you elaborate on that one?
1: <laughs> so, like, like ev- everyone's busy yeah right so uh, part of part of making health easy for people is being able to fit into their schedule so some right. people I I have a catch-up with during the day some people I have a catch-up with in in the evening right. um some people I have a catch-up with in the morning so kind of fitting fitting into their schedule and, and communicating with them in a way that works well um like catching up on yeah catching up on a reasonably frequently basis right. to right. um like to uh create a health plan that that works for them um, and then to to build the systems and start to build the stories that are that are beneficial for them moving forward, um, and so we'll I'll, I'll be rolling that three month program into kind of an ongoing full year mentorship, um, mm-hmm. and that that next nine month is is much less ex, uh, intensive. It's more kind of building on the practices that we've uh, that we've created, starting to expand those and troubleshooting when when shit happens. Um, so that's uh, that's something that's that's building at the moment. Um, there are a series of kind of corporate workshops uh, for a similar similar process of of building an individualized unique health plan for um, for whoever attends the workshops. So rather than kind of teaching someone a, a skill like mindfulness, which is which is fantastic, but isn't always applicable to every situation or um, or every person. Enjoys actually sitting down in a group and, and kind of creating an individualized plan for this person about what's meaningful and what's important to them. So there's the working with individuals and working with corporations, and that's the that's kind of the probably the major focus for me over the next, um, probably over the next coming months. Um, I'm still doing a little bit of healthcare communication training, uh, with a couple of groups and I've got a, a couple of courses that I'll be rolling out, um, that I've done previously that people can sign up for, um, in a couple of months time. But, um, that sort of, sitting on the on the back burner a little bit as I as I work on on health mentoring and uh, and well being.
0: <laughs> um back to James Clear, why'd you pick three in twelve months? <clears throat> um yeah, good question.
1: So I mean you've you've read Atomic Habits, so you'll know Not that. Not quite. No, like, I
0: haven't. Oh i am am a I'm a third hand third hand atomic habits person. <laughs> oh really? Goodness. Okay. So oh, I've, like, heard, him, I've read- heard him talk about atomic habits (laughs) yeah
1: cool so habit research kind of basically says that um habit formation really occurs anywhere between like uh three weeks and nine months depending Mm -hmm. on the habit its value to you and how easy it is to perform uh so three months is three months was a nice round number kind of that 90 day period is that you're you're starting to you're starting to ingrain some habits. Mm. Um, and you're starting to you're starting to make some meaningful change at that point in time. Um so that was the that was the three month one. And most people can kind of commit to something for three months mm. as well. Like if you if you say, Oh, it's a three week thing, you're probably not gonna make too much change with people. It's mm-hmm. Like your six week bikini body um boot camp blitz sort of thing (laughs) eight weeks yeah yeah you might you look great in a bikini after eight weeks um and in the in the year long one as well is that um like the conversations that i was having with people were like okay this is this is cool but i think i probably need some extra support going forward um from this and at least to kind of have you there one from an accountability standpoint so I continue on to to build these good habits but also from a troubleshooting and a, mm. and a um, kind of a tactical expansion yeah. perspective is like okay how do we build with this and how do we make sure we keep the momentum and keep expanding um and I don't know if you've seen James Clear's graph of that one percent better every day no. so his one is like if you get one percent better every day for a year, you're th- I think 37 times better mm. than you were at the start of the year, just with kind of the exponential curve. Like from a health perspective, one percent better every day, I'm not sure is realistic. Mm. Like some days you just have shitters of a day and you're like, I'm I'm not one percent better yeah. than I was yeah. yesterday. Like life is life has happened. But I reckon you could probably do one percent better a week, yeah. right? So like you can manage that for a year. So that's fifty-two <clears> one percent. <throat> so if you do that over the course of a year, then you're seventy percent better mm. than you were when you started. So if I was to say to you, Ryan, like, if you were seventy percent healthier one year's time, what would that open up for you compared to now?
0: Oh. I'd- I'd need to do the, the three month deep dive first. I think Chris, I need to, I need to, ident- I've, I've had this question before, you know, that like, what, what am I working on at the time? It was, it was the whole getting into business thing. And when it comes to health, yeah. when it comes to health, um, hmm, I think it would yeah. prob- probably be around a, a, some sort of supplement supplementation type practice. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like, that's something that we we said we were going to talk about at the start but we haven't really it was like what does health mean to you yeah and i think that's that's one of the things that like um we need to think about as well as like our health is our own yes we need to we need to be defining what good looks like for us mm. um across the, across the board and yeah use use professional advice and use um kind of healthy, healthy, uh, activity guidelines and look at the research and and the protocols. Um, but like, as you know, kind of being in this space, a lot of this stuff is, some of it's contradictory Mm -hmm. to each other. Um, and there are a lot of things that are, that are good. Like there's no one right way to good health. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of tactics that you could apply that would push your health forward and, and do thing like do great things for you. Like mm-hmm. if you're thinking about it from a diet perspective, um there are some terrible diets out there. But there are actually like if you look at diet protocols, there are probably kind of maybe three, four, five out there that if you followed them really well, they would massively improve your health. And um Probably with with different part uh, like different benefits and different disadvantages to each of them. Mm,
0: that's right. Yeah, I think where I'm at at the moment is trying to navigate this COVID recovery. It is the is the weird Yeah, one. yeah, like yeah. The the the. Uh, I Nicole and I did a workout on Saturday. So go back to Nigel. I sort of got his, his opinion on this, and we we he sort of seem to think that maybe you don't you know you don't want to be the statistic of of having the heart attack (laughs) which is yeah which is true especially especially if you're not an elite athlete you know that and so he sort of came up with the concept that perhaps we don't go above 120 bpm for two months and i was like oh my gosh that's a very long time Um, and i have felt very good training in the garage at low intensity, but like lifting weights and and doing those sorts of movement type things. But we did a wad on Saturday, and I wasn't like in a fatigued way muscularly, but it just blew out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is really, this is really, really fascinating. And, and I've seen that in a number of people, particularly people trying to run that, Yeah. yeah, even though you're not with the exertion, you're uh, I guess if you had a heart rate monitor, you'd just see that that yourself tip over that that precipice all of a sudden, and the heart rate just continue mm. to rise, and your your control of of your energy systems just take off. And I think that, that was basically what happened. I wish I did have some sort of heart rate tracking to watch it, because yeah, it was going kind of like fine, and then oh, I'm not okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: how was your um? How was your recovery from that? Like, did you bounce back okay?
0: Yeah, um, I stupidly. Did Murph during it? That wasn't so smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, like, but I, I, I'm, I'm I never really I never really got overly sick. I had mm. uh, intermittent cough, intermittent runny nose, um, intermittent sneezing. Um, started off. Well, oh, the first night I had a terrible sleep. Then the next few nights I slept extremely well and long, which I was like, great, this is fantastic for my recovery. And then sleep failed again and it's been I'm still having intermittent failures of sleeping. Like it's it's been really weird in the situation of getting into bed and rolling around and and not getting to sleep and being hot or and you know mm-hmm. and then, but then I've done the older uh what's the bloody name sleep guy while we sleep, changing the environment. Matt Walker. Matt Walker, yeah, coming out and luckily got a good got enough couch that get on there and out to it and actually ended up having the whole night on the couch last night and this is not the first time so it's it's been a little bit frustrating and and probably some other things in in the background have been on my mind but Mm. uh, I definitely have noticed an adjustment in sleep and an adjustment in the way my energy system can handle stuff yeah it's quite quite funny yourself
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I um I haven't had COVID, and um like I'm not I'm not super up with the research around around this as well. But like anecdotally, hearing from t- people, it is that they, they do they are struggling with um kind of that that increased exertional levels. And like I'd be fascinated to hear why Nigel kind of set the bar at one hundred and twenty yeah, um, <laughs> BPM. Um, like it sounds kind of like a almost like you're wanting to work with a, like a zone two training yeah, protocol basically, um is it? with
0: yeah.
1: with that so you're you're just staying um within the aerobic system rather than trying to rather than pushing over into the anaerobic um mm-hmm. but again yeah like I don't know too much about it interesting though
0: I did I did see Peter at has done another deep dive I think it's another three hours on zone two training there oh yeah so i'm I'm looking
1: for i'm looking forward to listening to that when i have space
0: it's um (laughs) it's fascinating (laughs) yeah i do have an hour's drive tomorrow and an hour's drive back so maybe maybe i'll uh allow my listen to it on one and a half speed yeah i was on one and a half speed so yeah or maybe i'll get through that in my drive to and from the bush um tomorrow night and then and then back again on sunday morning and I might have we might touch on on effects of heart rate and and covert and energy systems and stuff like that yeah. maybe let me know what you find out yeah for sure for sure so where are people finding you these days chris
1: um people can people can find me probably the, the best place is um health hmm uh if you're if you're interested in improving your health at all um or if you want to think about like if you're a healthcare professional and want to think about healthcare communications in art of nz um i'm from so- a social perspective i'm probably most active on linkedin mm. actually let good um, i'm <laughs> yeah i really enjoy it as a platform like there's some cool ideas get shared there and um like you can you can have some fascinating in-depth conversations with people without like a whole lot of people yelling at each other um so just chris desmond on linkedin so that they're, they're probably the probably the spot.
0: nice nice oh i uh, have to get you some key points to chuck in the show notes chris because you've got some mm. fantastic things on offer which is which is cool now one thing i don't know if i asked you this last time but and maybe you'll remember it like what keeps you in flow chris it's the things that are showing up when things are going well and you're probably not up to them when things might be going a bit pear-shaped it can be like mantra or way you live your life or quote or something okay yeah good good question um
1: i don't know if i've i don't know if i really thought about that um i think i've been really privileged um in being able to step away and be be full-time dad um and then kind of start to get to work on on some shit that I'm really excited about in terms of like helping healthcare providers can improve the communication and and help busy people to, um, to get healthier. Like, so I think like that is, that's almost a natural flow state is that Mm. spending time with my kids and, and doing, doing work that excites me. Um, But yeah, like I said, sometimes you have those, those kind of 90 minute nights of sleep. And (laughs) um, I guess (laughs) like from a, Keeping keeping me in flow or keeping me keeping me where I need to be. Um, I'm going to misattribute this, but I was having a conversation with a dude a, a few weeks ago, and, and something that he said was was really cool is asking yourself the question first: Am I performing the way that I should be right now? Mm. And if you're asking yourself that question the answer is probably no um <laughs> so no um and then the follow-up question is where does my attention need to be right now Oh. and so that's that's helpful yeah. i think for me at the moment i've used mattress in the past and i've kind of used other things um so but but that one's that one's helpful for me and also kind of just creating a little bit of a plan for myself is like these are this is the stuff that i want to be doing and and these are the habits that i want to be building over a period of time so like even if i have a rubbish night's sleep then i don't have to think about it too much yeah like sweet this is what i'm doing today go and
0: do it marvelous chris thank you very much and thank you for sharing that like new knowledge that you have that you've just picked up it's that's a really cool way of Looking at things. Yeah. It's more on the, when you're not doing things right, mm. <laughs> call yourself <Yeah>. out, day. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Marvellous. Oh, well, it's been bloody good to catch up again, Chris. We'll have to do it a bit more frequently because this has been a great chat again, and, um, I'm really excited to continue following you along and, and what you're doing, mate, cause it's, it's a really cool opportunity concept. And, um, like this podcast is about something a little less ordinary. It's, it's marvelous.
1: Mm, a pleasure mate thank you so much for the opportunity to come and have a chat with you and it's, yeah always always good to catch up ryan cheers bro
0: Press stop